Podcast. This is episode number 64. I'm your host, Sal Katar, and as always, I'm joined by my brother, Nihal. How you doing, Nihal? I'm doing pretty well, man. We just came back from LA, which was awesome. It was nice to be in the warm weather and see some family. It was a great Thanksgiving weekend. What was your favorite part? My favorite part was probably, well, the food. I love going to In-N-Out Burger. If you guys haven't been to In-N-Out Burger, you need to go there. Um, and also... The day we had on the beach playing football and volleyball, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. I mean, especially my tremendous catches and my tremendous throws. I really you, made you on the football field. You sound like Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently that's the new cool thing to do. So, <laughs> um, all right, why don't we get right into the soccer then? We talked about it in the last episode, but Bruce Arena was officially appointed as the USMNT head coach. Your first thoughts, Neil? Well, we, we kind of knew this was coming. Uh, like I said in the last episode, I just want to reiterate, yes, it's not the most exciting choice, but I think it is the best choice. Bruce Arena is already acclimated to the U.S. structure. Uh, he's acclimated. He knows about MLS. He knows the players in MLS. He's familiar with the U.S. national team. This is the perfect choice to get us to the next 18 months and into the World Cup. Yeah, I mean, he's had five NCAA titles, five MLS titles, uh, you know, he, he he was a decent goalkeeper. I guess that has nothing to do with his coaching. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, but, and also he, he took us to the quarterfinals of a World Cup, which is our best finish since, like, 1930. When we, yeah, and you can't even really count that because there yeah. are less teams in the World Cup. So. Exactly, exactly. And it was a different structure. Now, um, Also, just side note, uh, Sahel and I have been discussing doing, leading up to the 2018 World Cup, it seems like there's a long way away, but really it's only a year and a half. Uh, we're going to be doing an episode for each World Cup, or we want to do an episode for each World Cup, starting with the first World Cup. Uh, let us know if that's something you'd like to see, or or if it's something you wouldn't want to listen to. <laughs> just just to yeah. get your thoughts on that. Yeah, yeah, that's a potential idea that we're toying with. But um, back to Bruce Arena. You know, he, he said it, and he's aware that the pressure is higher, and he said that he's grown as a coach since 2006, what do you think needs to be the expectation right now um, for the January camp and for the next World Cup qualifying games? Well, the next World Cup qualifying games are must-wins. I think we need to get at least four points out of the next two against Honduras and Panama. Um, As far as January camp goes, I'd like to see some new faces. I'd like to see Darlington Nagby back in. I'd like to see... Uh, Sebastian Lejet, Robbie Rogers, Benny Failhaber, Dax McCarty, uh, some of the pe- some of the players, Matt Hedges, Walker Zimmerman, who who had great seasons in defense for FC Dallas. I want to see players who didn't get opportunities again under Klinsman, uh, and I want to see them being given an opportunity as well as you know maybe in those two matches some sort of tactical plan uh, in our January camp matches. That's what I would like to see, and that would yeah. be encouraging. Yeah. And that that technical director spot is still vacant. Do, do you do think? I mean, and I guess this is just a statement coming from me. I think that it is going to be good to have a separate technical director and head coach because I think we might have seen a few conflicts of interest in uh, Jurgen's tenure. Yeah, and I, I, you know, conflicts of interest. Maybe I I think just overall it's a separate job. It's a different job. Uh, and Jurgen Klinsmann was supposed to be this messiah type person to come into to u.s soccer and completely change the structure uh from from uh, the ground up which is which is you know he he aided with that process in germany 
in, in the early 2000s. But, you know, he wasn't able to do it uh, successfully. I think it, it is too much for one person to do, to be a technical director and the U.S. Women's National Team head coach. So, yeah, I, I'm excited to have those two jobs split. I, I don't, I have no idea who will take that job. Uh, I'm interested to see who's appointed in, in hopefully the near future. Yeah, definitely. All right, well, uh, we haven't talked much about uh, MLS playoffs yet, but we're going to jump straight into it right now. Uh, last Tuesday, we saw the Eastern Conference final between Montre- the Montreal Impact and Toronto FC. Uh, right away, Montreal was, went on the front foot and had the first three goals from Dominic Oduro, Matteo Moncosu, and Ayongo. And then in the second half, Toronto came back and got two back, one from Michael Bradley and one from Josie Elsdor. The Josie Elsdor one came first, excuse me. But um, overall, I think it's safe to say that Toronto cannot look like this on defense if they want to uh, capture this tie. Yeah, it was crazy. I was watching on the plane uh, to L.A., and I turned it on in like the ninth minute. And then three minutes later, I mean, one minute later, Dominic Adura scores, and two minutes later, Matteo Mancosi scored. Um, and Ignacio Piatti was great in this match. Um, Montreal looked really good for the first 60 minutes. Then Toronto sort of started to attack, um, and they were able to get two goals back. And really all Toronto needs to do is is win one nothing or 2-1, to one, and they're through. Um, of course, if it's 3-2, to two, they go to overtime or extra time, and any other one-goal win above that, uh, Montreal would go through. Uh, the big story from this match was that it was delayed, though, because of the uh, the um, the goal the goalkeepers, the 18-yard box not being wide enough, which yeah. is ridiculous. I, I mean, stuff. it's a really bad look for MLS. So. <laughs> <laughs> but it was an exciting match. It was a really yeah. exciting match, and Montreal was popping. Uh, it's so cool to have this rivalry uh, in an Eastern Conference final. It's it's the first time we'll have, no matter what, a Canadian team in the final, uh, which is very, very exciting in my opinion. Yeah. And, yeah. and, my, and Michael Bradley and Josie Altidore looked passionate, completely different than how they looked under Jurgen Klinsmann. <laughs> yeah, it's true. They, they were fighting for the same cause. I, I think that they really looked like the most active ones in the, in the second half. I mean... Uh, Giovinco did have the assist to Josie, but I would have liked to see a little more from him. But Toronto's defense in the first half, can we talk about Oyongo's goal? Okay. You know, he, he, he's a left back. He just dribbled, like, like a long way coming from his own half and had so much space and just put in a weak shot. And, and you know, Clint Irwin yeah. couldn't save it because he was kind of, you know, I don't know, flat-footed. But what was that? They cannot afford to do that again. Yeah, the problem in this match was that uh, Toronto started off with three in the back or five in the back or however you want to look at it. I think they were a little, they were stretched a little bit thin. Uh, they they have been playing the diamond for a lot of the season, which I think is more uh, was better suited for them. And you know, it, it was just it was a complete breakdown on, on really all three goals. You know, Dom is fast, but it was just a quick through ball that set him through. Um, so it. it they they definitely need to tighten up for the second leg, like you said. But there were some encouraging things in the second half. And if Jovinko... I mean, defenses are going to focus on Jovinko. And players like Josie Altidore, Michael Bradley, Jonathan Azorio, those guys need to step up and perform like they did in the last 30 minutes. And really, Toronto salvaged this match. And they might even be in control now uh, because before... 
before the two goals, it, it, it looked like they were in dire straits. But like I said, all Toronto needs to do is win one nothing now, and it's not it's not an easy thing to do. But I, I'm I'm pretty confident that they can do it. To be honest, so you think they will do that? Yeah, I, I, I think they will win. I I'm gonna say through. I'm gonna say one one at okay. Toronto. So Montreal goes through. I, I want. You think Montreal is gonna bunker down? Yeah, well, no, I, I think that Toronto is actually going to get a, gro- a goal on early, and then Montreal is going to push late. And when the, when they when they want to attack, they, they can be deadly. So I, yeah. I think I think they're going to actually get a late goal that is going to end up tying, but actually winning them. The tie. Yeah, and, and Toronto has to be careful because they will be pushing for that goal. But you know, the speed of Damo Duro is is really really difficult to defend against, especially on the counterattack. So yeah. hope, hopefully for them. They can figure out how to deal with that. All right, uh, moving on to the Western Conference Final. Both legs have been played out already, but just to quickly recap the first leg that happened last Tuesday since we haven't had an episode since then. Um, so Kevin Doyle had the first goal for the, for the Rapids to go up 1-0. It was just a deflected shot. Uh, and then Seattle comes back, rolled on, hits the post. Morris cleans it up. It's 1-1. Then Lodero goes down for a penalty in the second half. Uh, Mark Birch was the one who who had a kind of a lazy challenge, and then Lodero finished off the penalty. That was two to one, and then Seattle comes out in the second leg and scores one goal, one zero at home. Uh, Jordan Morris is the man. He came into the game with the flu, but yeah, he had a great shot. Um, Nelson Valdez played a ball in, and he just dinks it over while sliding over the backup Zach McMath because, as we know, Tim Howard could not play. Right, I mean, but Zach McMath is Zach McMath is still a good goalkeeper, especially yeah. in MLS. Um, but yeah, uh, Jordan Morris is the man, man. He, uh, <laughs> I just said man twice. Uh, Jordan Morris is the man, though. Uh, he played through the flu. He scored a goal. It's the Jordan flu game uh, of MLS. <laughs> um, but yeah, overall, uh, the problem. For, uh, the problem for Colorado in this match, I think, was their inability to finish. They had 16 shots, I believe, in the first half without one on target, which is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Um, oh, no, 16 shots in the whole in the whole match, excuse me, um, with not one shot on target. Um, and, you know, it's, it's been a problem for them this entire season. But coming into this match down 2-1... to one, into Denver, where they haven't lost all year. Uh, you expected them to get the job done, but they weren't able to do it. Pablo Mastorani came out. Uh, he wanted to press Seattle and press him high. Uh, and, you know, they were pretty successful for the most part. Uh, but a, a bad pass from Trevor Azira. Uh, is it Trevor? Or am I thinking Trevor Ariza? Uh, <laughs> either way, <laughs> Azira, uh, he made a bad pass that sort of started the sequence that led to Jordan Morris's goal. Yeah, I th- like you said, Colorado did have a lot of chances. None of them were great. Um, the, the one that comes to mind for me was Kevin Doyle having it on the left side and playing it across for Sebastian Latou. Right. Uh, there was just a miscommunication, and he didn't get to the ball. I think that they were just very predictable. Uh, it was just a lot of cross and uh, cross for Kevin Doyle and try to get him a shot. There was not a lot of creativity in the final third. And in the, I think they looked best, but it might have been because Seattle was sitting back in the second half. After Marlon Harrison came on, he was an attacking presence, but still it wasn't enough, and he, could, he had no final product. 
By the way, did you know that Hairston uh, is the is a cousin of Lamarcus Aldridge? Really? Yeah. I've always a lot of kind basketball of, today. I've kind of always liked Hairston, but yeah, I, a couple of things you said there. I I I don't think Doyle had a great match today. Um, he's not a great passer. Uh, and he wasn't really – so when he was asked to do that, he wasn't able to do it. And he also wasn't able to get the job done in the box, like you said. Uh, I think something that's kind of been lost is the suspension of Sam Cronin um, in the midfield. He did a really good job defensively for them when he was in there. Um, and I think they would have done a lot better if he were not suspended. What did you uh, make of Jermaine Jones's performance in, in just this tie? Uh, you know, he was, uh, he was good. He was present. Uh, I think he did what he could do. Uh, I, you know, something that comes back into my mind is is just a shot he skied over the bar. Um, mm. You know, he he was. Uh, yeah, that was a decent effort off the corner. Yeah, the right, volley. right. He he wasn't. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think I don't think it was his fault that they lost. Is what I'll say. And it's Michael Azira, by the way, not Trevor Azira. Yeah, I, I don't think uh, Jermaine Jones is the type of player that can single handedly, you know, win. Win a game for a no, team. but what he has done is he's made all the t- he's made teams better, and I think Sam Cronin was the reason why they lost. But overall, credit to Seattle, they were able to uh, survive the high press from Colorado, and they were able to get the goal they needed, uh, and really able to shut down Colorado's attack. They had a lot of shots, but none on target. So, yeah, I mean it. Seattle has never made an MLS Cup final, but they always make the playoffs. So you have to have to feel happy for this team, right? And no matter um, and no matter what, they have never made it. You're right. And no matter what, we're going to have a new MLS Cup champion, which is always exciting. Yes, yes. Um, so you're predicting a Toronto Seattle final? Yeah, and you know, I think this is what we've been building towards for the past few years, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, there's so much pressure and criticism on, on the franchises. You know, they've spent the most money, but maybe it's finally starting to come around and they'll go yeah. on a little dynasty here. Right, and, and you know, credit to Seattle. They fired Ziggy Schmidt halfway through the year. Mark Schmelzer takes over and he does a great job. A former Sounders player back in their USL days and the former coach when they were in the USL too. He takes over. They bring Nicholas Ladero in. He completely changes the complexion of this team. They have to go through the adversity of Clint Dempsey going uh, of missing for the last uh, bit of the season there, and they're able to overcome it. And Jordan Morris has been a star and will continue to be a star in this league and hopefully for the U.S. national team going forward. So credits to Seattle Sounders. Uh, there's not really – I don't think there's a more deserving franchise in terms of fandom. Uh, I know a lot of teams don't like them, but – or a lot of fans don't like them, but in, in terms of their fan passion, they, they definitely deserve to be there. And I'm excited. And, you know, if Montreal wins and and the MLS Cup final is in CenturyLink Field, that would be incredible. So I'm kind of rooting for that, even though I picked Toronto. Um, I think Toronto-Seattle would be the, the better matchup, to be honest. But, uh, yeah, either way, it, it's going to be exciting. But go, go, and I going- think that those Seattle fans are really... Uh, have have heard enough from Portland fans for the past right. year. Exactly. So, so um, the other thing is Montreal quietly, they've been so good for the past few years, consistently in the playoffs. Uh, obviously, they made the CONCACAF Champions League run to the final, and here they are uh, up without after the Drogba, first leg. you know, showing up. Yeah, w- without Drogba. Uh, Matteo Mancosu has been has been decent for them. Uh, he's on yes. loan from He's on loan from Bologna, I believe. 
So, yeah, he's he scored a couple of really good goals in the regular season. Yeah, uh, and, good play. And, and he, you know, that Italian connection they have, you know, a lot of people thought after Marco Devaya retired, they would be pretty much done, but they've been able to rebound from that. And <laughs> yeah. Ignacio Piatti has been ex- excellent ever since he arrived in MLS. Yes. All right. Speaking of Italy, we're going to move move over to Europe, and uh, we're both going to share a couple of stories uh, and talk about you know European soccer. So my first story is Edin Dzeko. He scored a hat trick over the over on Thursday in the Europa League against Victoria Plzen, and then today Sunday he scored a brace against Pescara. Uh, he scored 17 goals in 18 games, all competitions for Roma. And he has been on fire. And last season, there was a lot of criticism. He was supposed to be the guy uh, to, you know, change it all, and he didn't. But this year, he has a preseason, and he's doing excellently, and I'm just so glad that uh, we have a real striker. He has been excellent. And, you know, we talked about it before last season. We thought, how much was it, 15 million euros they paid for Dzeko? I think, Some, yeah, I think it's three like initially and then plus 12 for the buy. Okay. So, so somewhere around there, um, and we thought that was such a bargain, and he was going to light it up for Roma last season, and he didn't. He was very disappointing, um, especially under Rudy Garcia, I'll say, for the first half of the season. Um, I think Spalletti sort of knew how to utilize him. I don't think he fit into Garcia's system, and finally being under the system for a longer, uh, Spalletti system for a longer period of time, having that preseason and, you know, having someone like Mohamed Salah, who I think is either first or second in all of in Europe's top five leagues for key passes this year, having someone like that who can consistently uh, get him the ball, especially with the loss of Mirlan Pjanic, has been really good for Edin Dzeko. And I'm excited that he's playing so well because he really is a striker. He's, you know, he sort of played second fiddle to Sergio Aguero and Mario Balotelli in, in Manchester City. Uh, and good for him is all I can really say. I'm, I'm, I'm happy and good for you too, because uh, yeah. you know even though Roma <laughs> have not been that great this season, that it still is a Scudetto race. It, it's still possible yeah. for them. Juventus lost today. Yeah, so they lost. Roma... The, they lost to Genoa, so they're still right there in the thick of things. I think four points down. Yes. Um, but they they need to start winning the games they need to win. Yeah. Uh, the thing about Jekko also is that I don't want him to do too well. Like, if he continues this, he's definitely getting sold over the summer. We're, we're just you not at so? that level where we can, like, retain this I, kind of... I don't think so. I don't. I think he's right at Roma's level. Because he's... Roma, I, I would say, is maybe the second or third tier of club in Europe. Um, I, I mean, I would put them second. You know, they're a perennial uh, Champions League team. They're always financially the, maybe third, just because our stadium. Fair right enough. Now fair enough. Else, the, yeah. the, I mean, unless a mid-table Premier League team gives him an insane amount of money, I don't see him going anywhere because I think I think the other teams that where he could go, I, I, he wouldn't be the starter. I yeah. Mean, so I, I think you know, I, I think you'll be fine. But and he, he's also not like a. Uh, a modern forward in the sense that you can't just stick him up in a front three for Barcelona. Like, it's not right. like that. He has to be the centerpiece. Right, exactly. Uh, the other thing is uh, Diego Perotti's goal against Pleasant. Pleasant? Victoria? How do you pronounce that? I have no Plezen. idea. Pleasant. I've been Pleasant. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Victoria Pleasant um, was incredible. Uh, the Rabana. <laughs> Number nine Chip. on Sports Center's top ten. I was so proud. 
Well, that, no, Jekko was number nine. Perotti was number one. Oh, did you say Perotti's goal? Oh, yeah, that was yeah. number one. Yeah, yeah Perotti's. <laughs> yeah, but Jekko was number nine, so that was his first goal was great, too. So good for him, yeah. though. Good for him. All right, uh, my next story, and th- this is mostly just a game breakdown, but Tottenham hasn't been a good week for them after losing the Champions League and heading to the Europa League again for I don't know how many times in a row now. They lost to Chelsea where they were up 1-0 after a great goal by Christian Eriksen in the 11th minute. Dele Alli had a good run and assist. Then Chelsea came back. Pedro had a fantastic shot and turn from a Matic assist in the 45th minute before halftime. And then shortly after that, uh, Victor Moses gets it in 2-1. Tottenham, it could have been a big win for them or a big draw uh, because, you know, they need to get points, but they also need to stop Chelsea from getting points if they want to stick in this title race. I believe they're fourth right now. Um, Tottenham's fifth because uh, yeah, okay. Arsenal, I believe Arsenal won today. Yeah. Um, yes. So, uh, yeah. Actually, I think either way they would have been fifth. But, yeah, you know, Tottenham, not a great week for them. Like you said, uh, not for the Champions League. Hopefully they can recalibrate and focus on the Premier League now. Um, but there's seven points down Chelsea now. And it was it was a huge match in terms of the Premier League, Premier League title race. Chelsea are now in first place by themselves with 31 points. Um, they were my title pick before the season, remember? You you thought I was crazy. <laughs> um, but Wait, Chelsea was your title pick? Yeah, you can go back and listen to the episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you also were... thought I was crazy for putting Arsenal in the top four, but well, I didn't think you were crazy. I just put I had them fifth. Okay, well, yeah, but... <laughs> I had I had Chelsea, City, United, and Liverpool. Right? Did you have Liverpool that high? Yeah, I, I had Liverpool fourth. I, I remember uh, having a lot like a big discussion about who should be higher, Arsenal or Tottenham, and I, I thought Arsenal should I, be higher. I had Tottenham at six. No, we were talking about Liverpool. In any case, you, you guys can go back and listen to our Premier League <laughs> preview episode if you want to. But yeah, you know, Tottenham, you know, not been a great season for them. And we always knew it was going to be tough with uh, um, with, with the Champions League. Uh, and really, you look at their signings. Weniyama has been okay. Victor Janssen has been disappointing. Uh, min Son, who wasn't a new signing but has been playing well, has been great. I think they're really missing someone that can come off the bench like a Nasser Chadli. Uh, and consistently perform for them. And, uh, you know, they signed Musa Sissoko as well. I don't think they really improved enough in this transfer window. And the teams around them did. You know, Chelsea went out and got Angolo Conte and David Luiz. Liverpool went and got Sadio Mane, who's been fantastic for them, and Joel Matip. Uh, Man City got Leroy Sané, Ilkay Gundogan, Nolito. Uh, Arsenal got Granite Xhaka, who seems to be a player they were missing, uh, the type of player they were missing. Um, you know, United, obviously they're below Tottenham, but they, they made a lot of, uh, made a lot of signings. Um, but yeah, I just don't think, I think Tottenham can maybe turn it around and, and break into the top four. I think it's going to be difficult for them to, to, to do so though. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. Um, I, I think that if you're, if you're talking about Tottenham, their ambitions, if they want to take it to the next step as a cl- uh, take it to the next level as a club, it needs to be to qualify for the Champions League. But I think that in the end, that's what hurt them from doing that this year. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Actually, being in the Champions League, but I mean, they can still I, I, I get, they can still focus on. I, I would say 
treat the Europa League as kind of a secondary objective. Don't don't put too much stock into that. And but you know it might be it might be their only way to qualify for the Champions League. So they can't they can't completely ignore it because Tottenham is a team that I th- that I think can win the Europa League. Uh, I, I mean I think they're definitely amongst the top teams in the Europa League. Roma Roma are still in it, so yeah. that'd be crazy. Tottenham Roma final. I would love to see that. I mean that's yeah, that's assuming a lot of draw luck and whatever else. But... Not, I, I I know I know I'm just saying I would love to see that. <laughs> yeah, I and you know you I know what's interesting I I, well, I I saw a graphic that the top two spenders in terms of money in every single Champions League group went through except for Tottenham. So Tottenham was one of the only Tottenham was the only team who was a top two spender in their group. And didn't make it through. Hmm. So, that's what happens when you drop thirty million pounds on Musa Sissoko. Does that include <laughs> sales or just just spending? Uh, I don't know. I would have to look into it. In any case, yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll, let's all hope, unless you're an Arsenal fan or any other Premier League team fan, really, that Tottenham can pick it back up. Yep. <laughs> okay. What uh, is one of your stories? All right, my story is Bob Bradley gets his first win for Swansea City in a 5-4 to four win against Crystal Palace. This game was crazy. Wilfred Zaha scores in the 19 minutes for Crystal Palace. They go up 1-0. Gilfi Sigurdsson scores an incredible free, free kick in the 36th minute to tie it up. Leroy Fair scores in the 66th minute and the 68th minute to go up 3-1. to one. It looks like they're in control, but wait, James Tompkins scores in the 70th, 75th minute. Crystal Palace is down 3-2. to two. Then there's a Cork own goal. It's 3-3 now. And then in the 84th minute, Christian Benteke takes the lead. And then super sub Fernando Llorente for, or Llorente, excuse me, for Swansea City scores twice in stoppage time to win 5-4. Crazy, crazy stuff for Swansea City. And it looked like he was going to get, Bob Bradley was going to get his first one last week against Everton, but Seamus Coleman scored a header in like the 88th minute or something. Bob Bradley finally, finally gets his first win for Swansea City. Big, the first American Premier League manager in Premier League history to win a match. Yeah, um, that, that's pretty exciting. Uh, I, I Do you think that there's any chance, this is kind of a random thing, but do you think that there's any chance that he brings in Michael Bradley? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I think Bradley will be pleased after he wins a title, if he wins a title, and then... He can help Swansea. I I think okay. I I don't think he will. I don't think Bob Bradley will because I think he still needs to win over the Swansea City fans, and you know the, he's already sort of like the American coming in under American ownership, um, bringing in his son to play. I mean, it doesn't matter if he ends up playing well. Um, I I don't see it happening. Not only that, I think Swansea City. They're relegation candidates this year. They're in nineteenth place right now. I, I, I mean, I think Michael Bradley can probably do better than that. To be honest, I think my, I think there's a chance Bradley goes back to Europe, though. I think there is absolutely a chance of that. Yeah. Do you think that would be the best for his career? To go back to Europe? Yeah, I think he can still improve. I, you know, AC Milan has been something that's been thrown out, and I think that'd be a great move for him if he could get into the team. Uh, Milan. You know, they are performing well now, though, so who knows? Yeah. They're in third place, right? Uh, I, wa- I, I want to say, yeah. I yeah, yeah, place. they are. They're even on points with Roma. 
wow, the table is really heating up. <laughs> does, it, does that put Napoli in fourth place then? No, Napoli's in seventh place. Lazio's in oh, fourth wow. place with 28. Atalanta is in fifth place with 28 points as well. Torino in sixth place with 25. Napoli in seventh place with 24 points, but they ha- they've only played 13 matches. So that's one less than everyone ahead of them. Right. So if they, if they win, they jump into, I mean, sixth place. So they're, <laughs> they're still behind Atalanta and Lazio. Yeah, um, uh, there's a big game this weekend, actually. The derby between Roma and Lazio. I'm, yeah, it's going to... Okay, yeah. yeah, and I, I think, well, actually, you'll miss that because you have some school stuff you need to do, won't you? Yeah, no, I'm going to try to fit it in there somehow. Okay, well, I think I'll, I'm going to try to watch that match, so I think we should discuss it. Yeah, on the next episode, yeah. All right, what's your next story? Uh, my next story is Red Bull. Red Bull well, actually, that's not their official name, is it? Well, well Leipzig, we'll say. Um, made it, or won, excuse me, um... They beat four. They they're coming off a four to one win against Freiburg. Keita scored a great thirty yard strike in the second minute. Timo Werner has been Werner has been absolutely fantastic for them this year. Um, has uh, had a brace. Uh, he's tied for fourth in the Golden Boot race in the Bundesliga, and they are now three points above Bayern Munich in the Bundesliga table. They are in first place, which is absolutely fantastic. And Rossenball Sport Leipzig. That's their that's their actual name. Yeah, their own, because their Red own Bull Red would Bull. be like illegal or right, or, right. They can't officially do that. Right, that's why I was I was confused for a second. But so, yeah. do you want Leipzig to win the title? Uh, I want Dortmund to win the title. Yeah, but um, but yeah, I mean, I, I would rather have them win it than Munich, unless Julian Green does some stuff. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I mean, people hate like the corporate part of you know Leipzig and the fact that they're, right. They, they've bought their way to the top. Yeah. But, I mean, it's always good. Competition is always good. And I think Bundesliga is a, is a league that needs some competition at the top. And, you know, Dortmund are in seventh place. They're nine points behind Leipzig. At the Berlin, who knows? They're in third place right now with 24 points. Six points behind Leipzig. Pulisic's fault. Yeah, it's definitely his fault. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was benched this weekend and they lost. Oh, yeah. Also, can we talk about during the week in the Champions League how Pulisic didn't score a single goal of the eight goals scored by scored by Dortmund? Did they score eight goals? Yeah. They, 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 I'm pretty sure it's the most goals scored in a Champions League group stage Wait, was it was it eight to two? Yes. Yeah, I know. He assisted on one, right? Not even. It was like a half assist. I don't even know if it's statistically counted as one. But come on, man. He played 90 minutes and he couldn't get a goal. Yeah, but, I mean, he obviously was doing something right. No, no, just, I, I'm tired of him. I'm done with him. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, hopping, I, off, hopping off the hype train. No, not not quite yet. I really want to see him, like, I'm, I'm really excited to see him in these later parts, like, in these big games in the Champions League going forward, because right. Dortmund did advance. And he seems to be, he seems to have cemented himself as a key player in the team. Yeah, no matter who's injured, it doesn't really matter. I think Pulisic is an important player. Absolutely. All right. Now, our next segment is Top 5 Americans Abroad. My brother's going to go through what he thinks were the top five American performances from the weekend in countries besides the U.S. 
All right. So number five, Jaboli Aribi started and played the entire match for Chesterfield in the championship as they won 3-2 to two over Bristol Rovers. Apparently, he looked absolutely fantastic. I wasn't able to watch the match, obviously. Um, but he is an exciting young winger uh, who could really be helpful for the U.S. national team going forward. Number four, Timmy Chandler started and played 90 minutes in Eintracht Frankfurt's 2-1 win over Borussia Dortmund. Christian Pulisic did not start that match, but he did come on later. Um, Timmy Chandler, solid outing for him. Number three, Dwayne Holmes played 82 minutes and scored a goal in Scunthorpe's United 1-1 draw with Oxford United. That is in League One of the English Football League tier structure. Um, and he's an attacking midfielder, also a young match. He was actually at the USA versus Scotland match in 2013. Yeah, 2013 that fall. And he uh, he is eligible for, uh, I can't remember, is it England? Uh, but he's a young, exciting player uh, who has stated his desire to play for the U.S. And then there's Perry Kitchen, captaining Hearts, uh, and had an assist in their 3 to nothing win over Motherwell. And then his teammate Bjorn Janssen, the Norwegian-American from New York, scored two goals, his third and fourth goal of the season for Hearts in that match as well. That is my top Impressive. five for this week. Uh, yeah, things are, things are looking pretty good right now. Jurgen Klinsmann out. Jordan Johnson scoring. It's yeah. great. <laughs> uh, and Perry Kitchen linked with some moves to Darby County in the championship. So that might be something that, that happens. Yep. All right, one more piece of news that I wanted to talk about, talk about before we end this. But let me ask you a question first, Neil. Okay. Who do you think is the best MLS DP signing ever? The, uh, best, best in terms of what? <laughs> I mean... Just overall. In terms of what they provided for their club. I mean, not like best player in their peak or anything like that. I'm not talking about like David Beckham. Okay, so 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 technically David Beckham was the first DP. Technically. Yeah. Um, because, well, it's hard. It's hard not to say David Beckham because of what he did um, for, <laughs> for MLS. Um, I mean, then there's also, you know, there's Landon Donovan, but I mean, I'd have to go with Sebastian Jovinko. I, I think. You, you don't think, you're not going to put Robbie Keane in that, in that list, that short list? Oh, you know what? I forgot about Robbie well, Keane. Well, when I meant signing, I kind of meant like a broad signing or like, yeah. Okay. So like Landon Donovan, I wasn't really thinking because he just had the big contract. But like yeah. Robbie Keane did it for many years and was, you know. The captain, yeah, 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 yeah. That actually, you know, Robbie Keane. I think Robbie Keane is right up there. I think when it's all said and done, Sebastian Jovinko will be the best DP signing. Um, well, maybe not when it's all said and done, because who knows what happens to that rule. But or uh, yeah, know, maybe. Yeah, and we uh, pray well, to God that this doesn't happen. But Christian Pulisic. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, or you know, like Cristiano Ronaldo, but yeah, I think be bad. I think Jovinko, just because of what he has done to a team like Toronto, um, ha- ha- has to be there. But uh, yeah, Robbie Keane, unfortunately leaving um, LA, leaving yeah. the Galaxy along with Steven Gerrard, uh, who's retiring from football. We never even said anything about that, but that's because I'm an Everton fan. And I don't really care that much, but uh, he is a legend <laughs> and he's retiring. Um, but Robbie Keane leaving, 
Apparently, he has an offer on the table from Atlanta United. So he. We might... I heard he was going to the A League. Uh, but is he? I, I I kind of hope so. You don't want him. Why? You don't want him to go to Atlanta. I don't. I don't want him to stay in the states. I want him to always be known as a a a, a, gala- a galactite. A, gal- a galactico. <laughs> a galactico. Well, yeah. <laughs> Real Madrid, twenty seventeen. <laughs> yeah, he's also been linked with uh, linked with Reading, actually. So he okay. could be Danny Williams' teammate pretty soon. That would be exciting. Yeah. But I don't I don't see how this would make his career any better on a personal level. I mean, I would rather just stay with LA. But maybe it provides Landon Donovan a bigger well, role Red, next Red, year. Reading are in third place, so they I mean, they could be in the Premier League next year. Sure, but I mean, what are, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. <laughs> Um, but do you think that I mean I mean yeah like I said you know you said they're losing both Gerard and Keane, Landon Donovan he's gonna be more important than ever next year. Yeah, and Bruce Arena might call him up. <laughs> I kind of do you want to see him? Do, do you want to say that you saw his last appearance? Oh no, I don't. I don't care about that. I mean, we we missed half. We missed most of it anyway because of traffic. Um, <laughs> Screw you, Hartford. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I don't know if I want to see him. If he can, can still contribute, then yeah, I'd love to see him. I mean, maybe he's in January camp. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> That's so weird to think about. I mean, Bruce Arena is going to be a little bit biased, obviously. Yeah. But well, he's going to be know, that biased. LA, it, it, it'll be interesting to see where LA goes from here. They lose Bruce Arena. They lose Steven Gerrard. They lose Robbie Keane. Um, so that's two DPs gone. Uh, it'll be interesting to see who they bring in. I mean, maybe Wayne Rooney is the one. <laughs> have there been rumors about that? I feel like I have heard that. Yeah, there, there have been, yes. Okay. So now, I have a bold see. prediction about the U.S. men's national team. Uh, okay. In 2022. Yeah. Do you, do you know what player is going to be there? It's going to be like a Kyle Beckerman... Type type bring, uh, like Kyle Beckman was brought to the 2014 World Cup. Breck uh, Shea. <laughs> so so not in twenty <laughs> not in 2018, but in 2022. Nope. 28 okay. is too 28 is too young. 32, he's gonna come in and <laughs> be hold down the midfield. He's gonna hold down the midfield. Yeah, he's going to be like a very defensive minded outside midfielder. That that sounds awful for okay. exciting soccer, but. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, we'll see. We can episode sixty four of the Soccer Brothers podcast. Saho Qatar. Yes. You 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 like Breck Shea though, right? Uh, Gotta love Breck Shea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's all right. I mean, great. Now I can't be on the podcast. <laughs> of course, we love everyone. I love Breck Shea. I love everyone. You're right. <laughs> you, all right, you, we have Jurgen. Maybe I'll ask Jurgen to come on the show. Nah, even even if he wanted to be on the podcast, I wouldn't let Jurgen be on the podcast. That's just not true. <laughs> Definitely true. Okay. We have an email for this podcast at soccerbrotherspodcast at gmail.com. Our Twitter and Instagram handles are at soccerbrotherspod. You can check us out on Facebook as well. Uh, we are on Google Play, SoundCloud, iTunes, Podkicker. So if you're listening through SoundCloud off Twitter, make sure to go subscribe to one of those more reliable offline places. And reviewer rate us on those platforms as well. 
Uh, definitely check out our website as well, soccerbrotherspodcast.com. We're finally indexed, so if you search for us, it'll show up. Um, but go check us out there. All of our episodes will be there as well. And we'll see you next time on episode 65 of the Soccer Brothers Podcast. Thank you.